This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Coming to you about six and a half hours before game six between the Islanders and the Bruins at the Nassau Coliseum. The Islanders have a chance to lock up a second date with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm Chris Hennessy, Tyler Mooney, Mike Messina. Here with me as always, and... We have enough to talk about after Monday's game to last us an entire 40-minute podcast, but we'll try to keep it to the usual 10. Uh, The Islanders get outplayed in Game 5 on the road for the second consecutive series, but pull out a victory and have a chance to win at home. And the comments after, we'll get to that in a minute, um, made headlines. But the Islanders on the power of three power play goals have the Bruins on the brink and doesn't feel like they deserve to be there, Tyler, but here we are. Yeah, second straight series. It seems like this has been kind of the mantra of the Islanders' playoff run, you know, winning games that they don't necessarily deserve to win. They, when Brock Nelson scores that fifth goal to start the third period, I mean, I was texting my friends about it. I was like, yep, that's game over. And then, I mean, it's the, it's the New York Islanders, the Barry Trotz New York Islanders. They don't blow three goal leads in the third period. They just don't do it. And But credit to Boston, they battled back, completely dominated that third period. And I thought that they were going to, tie the game at the end of that end of regulation there but credit to the islanders they you know bend don't break they bended but they did not break and for the second consecutive series they got a chance to close it out at the coliseum semyon varlamov he's he's definitely stepped it up since the round one i remember we were talking during the pittsburgh series you know he struggled sorokin came in he was obviously fantastic and it was looking like you know sorokin was maybe going to be the guy for the rest of the run but Credit to Varlamov. He got the chance to get the net back, and he has certainly taken that opportunity and ran with it. Chris, do we know who, who's going tonight? Who, do you know who's in net? Did they announce that yet? No, but I think it has to be Varley. I think you don't really have a choice. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sorokin – if they win tonight, I wouldn't be surprised if Sorokin started game one. But I think it has to be Varley tonight. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he's playing phenomenal, and – that those goals that he let up last game weren't really his fault at all in the third period. I mean, the Bruins came out swinging. They, they were coming hard, man. And I'm surprised, honestly, they didn't win that game like much quicker than, well, uh, I guess that doesn't make sense. They should have won that game in the second period with the amount of shots that they had on, on net that game. It was what they had like triple the amount that the Islanders had. I don't have the numbers yeah, in front of me, but they, they outplayed them by a million and there's no there's no way the Islanders should have won that game credit to them they played great when they needed to they got those three power play goals when they needed to and they, they did play well but they did not deserve to walk out of that game with a W but that, that that's the whole point of the sport and they have a chance to close it out tonight do you think that it will happen tonight Chris yeah got 11,000 screaming lunatics in that building they're not letting those guys go home unhappy pretty confident I'm not very confident in this team ever as you know for the last two years, but they, uh, yeah, they went tonight. I don't have, I mean, I have doubts, of course, it's the Islanders, but I am, I am confident that they're going to win. Um, honestly, because of Varlamov in the first two periods of that game, he was sick. It should have been three, nothing five minutes into the game, Boston, because you have the goal that went in, you have the Marshand open net. They had that McAvoy chance where he walks in all alone. It should have been three, nothing. 
five or six minutes into the game, and it wasn't. It was only one nothing, and then they get the the gift of a power play at the end of the period and score a goal, and and we'll move on to that because it's the undeniable storyline of this game is how horrific the officiating was. And, and that should have been never called a penalty, and that goal obviously would have never came if that wasn't called, and yeah. that was kind of like the turning point in the entire game right there. Of course, absolutely, and uh, I think that's well said. It's the turning point of the entire game on a penalty that shouldn't have been called. Now, Jordan Everett probably takes a slashing penalty later in the game that was a little bit similar. But still, that penalty is not a playoff penalty. It's not even a regular season penalty, to be perfectly honest with you. It's not. And Bruce Cassidy has the right to be upset with the officials because it was a horrifically officiated game that benefited and deteriorated both sides throughout the game, and the Islanders just happened to get the better of it. There's different officials There's different officials for every game, so there are different officials tonight. We'll see how it goes. Um, but he says, you know, that they're – that trot the, – the, comment that you know i think everybody understands that he's upset that the the officiating was horrific because it was absolutely terrible but the comment about the new york saints is what got you know the press rolling and and made the headlines he basically said that the islanders are pushing a narrative that they are you know saints on the ice and they don't get they don't take penalties well i guess it's possible that the team who took among the like third least penalties in the league i think it was um takes less penalties than the Boston Bruins who take top five penalties in the league. Um, and that just could just be true because of discipline and, and better coaching. But I don't know that that's my thought that he has the right to be upset and the officiating was horrific, but his team all season long has taken more penalties than the Islanders. So why is he now upset that the Islanders don't take penalties in the playoffs? That That's the one that didn't make any sense to me because we talked about it before you guys both said, I, I understand where Cassie's coming from and I do too. But I think I'm a little bit confused because this has been how the Islanders play all season long. Is stay out of the box, hit hard, and score when you need to. And that's when that's what they do, and that's what they've done all season long and for three years now. Yeah, I'm entirely with you on that one, Chris. I mean, he absolutely has the right to be mad. It's, it's the biggest game of his team season, and to have the officiating be that poor, it just, it just can't happen. And his comments in the postgame press, we were talking about it, before we started recording. I mean, he was very respectful to the officials. He could have gone, you know, full John Tortorella or some other coaches that we've seen and completely ripped in the official. And he said, no, these are, these are good officials. They are officiating this game for a reason. They're, they're officiating in the playoffs for a reason. And just for whatever reason, they did not have a good night. So he absolutely has the reason to be pissed because as you said, I mean, that, that one call that led to the Islanders power play goal. And there was multiple calls throughout the entire game that were, you know, iffy penalties, missed calls. It just, it just was not a good game for the officials, plain and simple. But I don't know why, yeah, the New York Saints comment, I didn't really get that because the Islanders, I think they might even have been the least penalized team in the NHL this year. They just – they don't take penalties. You're right. So, I mean, I don't really know what he was trying to go with that. It, it didn't surprise me that if you just take all the take, – take context out of it and you say – the Boston Bruins took more penalties than the New York Islanders. I, yeah, I believe that the, the Bruins are a more penalized team, but so I didn't really get that comment, but it certainly will probably get the Islander crowd going tonight. That's for sure. Well, I think he was a little mad too, at the fact that Barry Trotz pointed out that Bergeron cheats on the faceoffs, and within like the first period, he got kicked out of like five to seven. I forget the exact number of that. It was yeah. Four. So I, I think he was a little butthurt about that at the time, but the comments himself, that he made, I don't see any issues with them. Like, he's calling them the New York Saints. I think that's fine. I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Barry Trotz clearly didn't care in the postgame presser. I mean, 
I don't think he really should. He knows what his team, the way his team plays. He knows that the team is a team that doesn't go in the box a lot and that the Bruins are. So try and take advantage of that. But for Bruce Cassidy to get fined $25,000 for criticizing the officials, which he didn't even really criticize them. He just says there's work that needs to be done, which if there's work that needs to be done, there's work that needs to be done. And I, I don't really see why, why there's a fine there. They, they get told they need to work on things as well. And, they, and other people don't get fined. So I don't really see the point in the league fining $25,000 for criticizing the officials when he straight up said, I know this crew, they're a very good crew. They had a bad game and they need to work on that. They, he, he wasn't coming at them. He wasn't coming at the league. He wasn't doing anything to cause harm to the officials. He was just strictly stating a point that they need to work on things. And I feel like that is completely okay and should be allowed in and nothing he should be fined over. Well, then you're setting a precedent though. And that, that leads down a slippery slope and Cassidy has criticized officials before. And I don't necessarily think this fine is going to stop him from doing it in the future. But I think if you don't find them, you're setting a precedent that provides a slippery slope where, guys could just start popping off and the trots comments on Bergeron. Yeah. I thought those were interesting and he got thrown out of the first phase off of the game and three more after that. And I mean, he said, he didn't really even say cheating. He just kind of said veteran move and like, he probably should get tossed when he does it. And then, and then Bergeron said like, yeah, it's a veteran move by trots to put that in their heads and get me out of the face off because he knows he's a phenomenal face off guy. And I really didn't have an issue with it. It didn't really seem like Bergeron even had an issue with it. And it felt like kind of two independent issues. And I see the connection 100%, but Trotz handled the Bergeron face-off comments with such higher class than Cassidy handled the New York Saints comments, I would say. Because Cassidy just came right for Lamorello and Trotz's throat. It was like, oh, yeah, those guys over there have won Stanley Cup, so they're just allowed to do whatever the hell they want. Like, no, that's not really how it works, actually, at all, but – whatever. I don't know. It was weird and ridiculous and there's different refs tonight. So hopefully it doesn't carry over. Hopefully we're not talking about officials the next time we meet and that this game can just be a hockey game. Um, but I do expect um, the fans to be singing when the Saints come marching in tonight. I don't, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Um, and now the new Orleans Saints are involved. They were tweeting at the Islanders like big game six tonight. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, but that's Isles Bruins. Um, you guys got the Isles tonight or what? I got the Bruins. I want this series going seven. I think it goes seven. I thought that from the start. I think Boston will clutch up here and win tonight. Yeah, so I took Bruins heading into this series. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to walk out of the Coliseum tonight with the win. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if that crowd is going to let that happen. I don't know, I don't know if the team's going to let that happen. But – a game seven would be nice to see. Tyler, me and you obviously don't have a dog in the fight right now, so we're just we just want to see some hockey. Yeah. But you know, let's take it to a game seven, man. Why not? Look, why not see? Why not see another another series go seven, and let's see where it goes from there. Here's the thing about the fans tonight: they are not letting that building close without giving it a fight. Because if they fair. lose, it could be the last game. So they are not letting. They're not walking out of that building wanting more. So if this gets down to the wire, it's going to get loud in there. But and, if, uh, if the Islanders lose this game, they don't win game seven. So I agree with that. Interesting. I would agree with that too, actually. I did pick the Isles in seven at the beginning, but yeah, I'd probably agree with that as well. Because you can only get lucky so many times, and that's what they did on Monday. They've just, already won, what, two games in Boston? I mean, you'd have to win. They're four and two on the road this playoffs, yeah. Yeah, that's, 
if you win two thirds of your road games, you just win the Stanley Cup. Like that's yeah, just what you honestly like if you go through the whole thing winning two thirds of your road games, like you just are awarded the Stanley Cup. Like that's just how this, the world works. But I can't I can't see the Isles losing tonight and then going back into the garden on when's the next game? Friday? Yeah, yeah, on Friday and, and winning that one after the Bruins have this momentum, getting that win at the Coliseum and then going back to their home place. And I, I just don't see them winning game seven if that's the game it goes to. We said the same thing about the Flyers series last year, though. They lost games five and six in overtime, one game seven going away. Obviously, it was different because there was no fans, but. <laughs> we, we, we also didn't expect the. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets to get swept either. So no, yeah. we, we haven't expected a lot of things, boys, lately. <laughs> we, we mushed the Maple Leafs and then we practically anointed the Avalanche as the Stanley Cup champions last episode and they've now lost three straight games. And, and they have a good shot of losing this series to the Knights right now. So, so we, we haven't done too well on our predictions. There's so much red on our spreadsheet. <laughs> There's just so much red. Where do we want to start? Let's start with uh, Avalanche was last night. So we'll start there. Uh, so the, the Avalanche dominant game one, remember that we talked about that 7-1. They win game two, which if you look at advanced metrics, goal, you know, expected goals percentage, those kind of things, that will tell you they didn't necessarily deserve to win the game, but they did. And that's what, you know, good teams do. It's a home home game. Grubauer steals it, and they're up 2-0. They go to Vegas, and they play two of their worst games of the entire season. Vegas absolutely dominates. They win in overtime last night, coming back from 2-0 down after the second period to win 3-2 in the extra period. Now it's the 3-2 series in favor of Vegas going back to a full Vegas for game six. I I mean, I didn't see this one coming. I, I, like, this, this is crazy. I mean, Mike, were you just in Vegas? I know you went to Vegas in this fall, but were you just in Vegas this week? Nope. No, no, no. I was in Atlantic City, but when I was in, when I was in Vegas – and they were like the games were going on, man. Even just sitting inside the sports book, that atmosphere with the mm-hmm. Vegas fans, man, is something I've never seen before. They are so passionate for for this game and for this team, man. I don't know. I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to make it out of Vegas, man. I don't know. Going back there for a game six is going to be tough to get out with. That's going to be really tough, especially all the momentum is with Vegas. You know, they dominated the games three and four and then I was watching game five last night in the first two periods Colorado they were up to nothing they were pretty thoroughly the better team and I was like all right this is looking like a series we're just like the home team is gonna win I was thinking all right Colorado win tonight Vegas will probably win six and then whatever happens in game seven happens but that third period man I did not see that coming at all Vegas scored I think they scored like a minute into the period I still thought Colorado had it but Man, talk about a choke job. I mean, that's a game that you just cannot lose, especially considering the way that you just played in the previous two games in Vegas. And, yeah, you said it, Mike. I mean, I think that might be the best atmosphere in the NHL right now, at least maybe the hardest place to play. So with all the momentum on Vegas' side right now, we're going to really see what the Avalanche are made of next game because that is going to be one of the hardest games, I think, that any of those guys have ever played in. Yeah, and honestly, I, 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 sorry, Chris, I, I don't see Mark Andre Fleury letting in another goal like that again for the first goal of the game, where he where he tries to go cross his body and catch it, and, and I, I don't see him doing that again and letting in that goal ever again in this series, at least. So I mean, Vegas kind of played much better than Colorado last night. I, I think I think Vegas should have won that game without going into overtime because 
they had plenty of chances that Grubauer stopped and both goalies played well, but scoring 50, what was it like 50 seconds into overtime? Probably, I think less than that. And, and it was kind of expected, man. They had all the momentum coming out of the third period. Well, I, I feel like it was just like right in front of us that that was going to happen too. Yeah. And I mean, game six tomorrow is going to be one of the most interesting games of the entire season because Colorado is now playing for their lives, something they never really thought they'd have to do in this whole playoff. But if any team's going to beat them, it's Vegas, honestly. And which is a shame that we have to see it this early in, in the tournament, but that's, you know, it's how it works. And it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what goes down in Las Vegas tomorrow for game six. The winner of that series will play Montreal. Um, Montreal sweeps, sweeps Winnipeg only the third time in NHL history a team sweeps in the first round and gets swept in the second round. The Islanders just did it a couple of years ago, and I think Buffalo did it in the 90s. And that's the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellebuck was good, but he wasn't as great as he was against Edmonton, and Montreal is hot. They're just really hot right now. And kind of similar, honestly, to what happened to the Islanders in Carolina. They faced a hot team who didn't think they were going to win their first-round series and end up winning it in seven games, and they just roll right through Winnipeg and – the CN Tower was lit up red, white, and blue. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the CN Tower in Toronto <laughs> was lit up red, white, and blue. <laughs> Which is something I – I mean, that just doesn't make sense. I understand you're supporting, but that that is just going completely off the rails right there, I think. That's um, terrible. I saw – so I was talking about this with my parents last night because my mom was the one who actually pointed out. She was like, the CN Tower is lit up for uh, – Habs colors and I was like wow that's surprising but apparently I don't know if you guys remember this but apparently the Empire State Building was lit up green and white when the Eagles won the Super Bowl which like I did not know that and I was like why why would that happen but people were like people on Twitter were like yeah that happened like there are pictures of it I don't know how nobody picked up on that when it happened that seems like even worse than this now they beat the Patriots so it's the Eagles though they're like the Giants biggest rivals that is true. That is true. That's interesting. Though. That's funny. Um, but, I mean, I didn't certainly didn't have Montreal making it this far. We all got the North Division completely wrong in every way, shape, and form. Uh, I don't see a way they could beat Vegas or Colorado um, in any situation, to be perfectly honest with you. But it's possible, I guess, and they have a great goaltender. You know, I think, I think what we're going to find is we're going to have four – of the best goaltenders in the league playing in this final four. We're going to have probably Flurry now. We're going to have Price, either Varley or Rask, and Vasilevsky. So those are four of the eight best goalies in the league. If you, you, know, if you had Hellebuck, the other one of uh, Varley and Rask, and, I mean, who else really is in that kind of category? And after we kind of thought Carey Price was done, he's – now 7-0 and in his last seven games with an under two goals against average. It's, it's actually unbelievable. Like I, I genuinely don't know what to say because I can't believe Montreal has made it this far. And they, they have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final and be the first team to represent Canada in the Cup final since Vancouver in 2011. And I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but it leads us to a potential Montreal-Boston Stanley Cup final, which could be fun, but – the fact that this is like this is as far as a Canadian team has gotten since that Vancouver team that everybody hated, or something like that. But still, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's just unbelievable. So talk about goalies real quick. Putting my you know Ranger fandom aside, I wouldn't mind seeing the Islanders make the conference finals here because then you got the two v two. You got the two teams, Canadians 
Lightning. They got their horses and Vasilevsky and Price. But then you got Vegas and the Islanders, which go off this kind of two-goalie tandem. I know that Flurry is the guy in Vegas right now, but Robin Leonard is probably the best backup in the league. So they And all season long, they went off a two-goalie. So that would be an interesting dynamic. You know, We've kind of seen this shift in the last couple of years of teams starting to roll with two goalies. So this will be you know, the first example that I can think of where you got you know, two teams facing off against two teams that have kind of differing ideologies on this. But to focus on Montreal, man, they, I mean, they completely dominated Winnipeg. I don't think there was any game in that series where they were outplayed, at least you know, according to like analytics, they weren't, and the eye test, they weren't. And you know, once, I don't even think, did we talk about that Mark Scheifele hit? Yes. No, I don't we think didn't. We did. Right. I think no, no, I think we so. I think that entire series went by between recordings. <laughs> I was doing a podcast. Kind of impressive. But I mean, once Montreal won that game and you saw Shifley was gonna get banned, what he get a four game suspension. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of felt like Winnipeg was gonna have trouble and you know this is why he traded for Pierre Luc Dubois, man. Like Shifley's out, all right, slide Dubois up to the one center. And I think he ended game four playing on the fourth line. So Talk about not paying off at all, at least in the first season of that trade. The exact reason why they brought this guy in to have another number one center behind Mark Shifley. And he completely just didn't show up in this playoff run at all for Winnipeg. But I agree with you, Chris. I don't think that Montreal could beat either Vegas or Colorado. But then again, you got Carey Price. And when he's on his game, which he is on his game right now, he's he has a case for the best goal in the world. So... That's going to be a very interesting series to see if Carey Price can kind of hold the fort down for Montreal. Their goal scoring isn't the best. So I think if they have any chance to move on, it would have to be kind of a low scoring game because if they get in a shootout with Vegas or Colorado, they're not winning that just plain and simple. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, the chess match. You got another team that fired their coach midway through the season and now they're already in the conference finals. And I think this, that as, as dominating as, Montreal was in this series. If Connor Hellebuck didn't play the way he played all series long, it would have been much worse because he's no matter what they got swept for nothing. Sure. But he played phenomenal. And, and he, he was really the only player who, who I want to say showed up, showed up really for this series. I mean, th- there was numerous times where Montreal should have scored another goal or two more goals. And Hellebuck makes a phenomenal save a glove save a kick save whatever it was to keep him in the game and without him ma'am I don't even think it would have been close any single game would have been close if it wasn't for Connor Hellebeck and going back to the Shifley hit that was I feel like the series might have been over right there at the end of that game I feel like that that is the moment where the team kind of lost itself and didn't feel like they were playing up to their full capabilities. And they kind of just gave up after that, man. I mean, Shifley suspension is going into the first game of next season, which I'm someone who thinks that shouldn't happen. The season's over. He didn't finish his suspension goes into next season with a full, with a clean slate. But I mean, that was, that was the big turning point right there, man. That, that hit that suspension because that kind of took all the energy out of them. And really, they didn't really have an answer for anything else after that. And like both of you guys said, I don't see any way that Montreal could beat either Vegas or Colorado. But not one of us also saw how they beat Toronto or saw how they beat Winnipeg. So 
anything can happen, man. Anything can happen with carry prices in that. And when a team like this is hot, so we'll have to see what the outcome of that is. Yeah. And they locked up the first spot the other night. And I mean, who, who would have thunk it? Just unbelievable. So Montreal, they'll face the winner of Vegas, Colorado. Tampa will face the winner of the Islanders and the Bruins after they dispose of Carolina in five games. And it was an unfortunate end for Col- uh, for Carolina. Now it's Adeljevic and James Reimer and all and the whole squad there. I thought they had such a great season. I thought this was their year. I had them runner-up to Co- uh, Colorado in our predictions. Uh, that's obviously not going to happen now. A really unfortunate end for Carolina, but you guys called this from the start, and I should have thought of this. Like, now – the Lightning are actually the Lightning. Hedman is healthy or healthier. Stamkos is healthy. Kucherov is there. The Lightning are actually the Lightning, where for most of this 56-game season, they weren't. And they've taken two series that very well could have been seven-game, you know, knock them, drag them, just absolute brawls, and made them six and five very quick and on to the semifinals. They've only lost three games. They only lost – I think they lost – six games the entirety of the playoffs last year. So they've won six rounds and lost nine games in the last two playoffs combined, um, which is unbelievable. I mean, they, they are they are clicking on all cylinders right now. And again, they're the best goaltender in the world. The, the thing that's unfair about Tampa is, yeah, they have a great offense, but there's a lot of teams with a great offense. They have the one fantastic defenseman. There's a lot of teams with a fantastic defenseman. But you add all that in with the, legitimately, I don't think it's disputable, the best goaltender on the planet Earth right now. They're basically unbeatable in the spring and summer. And are we about to see another 2 P the second time in five years? I don't know. Um, but I'm ready to play Tampa if the Islanders win tonight. But I'm scared of them because I have to be. They just They just demolished us last year. Yeah, I mean – Tampa beat Boston in the playoffs as last year as well, right? I believe uh, they did. Yes. So, you know, that yeah. adds in another added dimension. One of these two teams that's going to face them going for revenge here. But, I mean, yeah, Vasilevsky, he's playing. He's already the best goal in the world, and he's playing at the absolute top of his game right now. And they've played. I mean, they went up 2-0 in both rounds. They went up 3-1 in both rounds. So they really haven't played in any like high stress games you know they haven't played in a game seven they haven't played in like a game five two two series they've relatively easily dispatched of two very good teams in florida and carolina where they were they were the lower seed in both series so they won what are they four and oh four and one on the road this playoffs five and one i mean they've talked about winning two-thirds of your road games on the playoffs we were talking about that before the recording but i mean they are, yeah, they're looking, they look like the Tampa Bay Lightning of last year that easily marched to the Stanley Cup final and won it. So I think they'll obviously be the favorite next round versus whoever they play. It'll be interesting to see who they play. I mean, obviously the Islanders took them six last year, right? So they, you know, the Islanders have the healthy goaltending. They don't really have the star power to match up with the Lightning, which you could say, you know, the Bruins do have the star power to at least try and match the lightning, but Rask, I don't think he's a hundred percent right now. And they certainly don't have a backup as capable as Sorokin. So it's going to be really interesting. I think, I mean, I picked Tampa to make it out of the central division. I don't believe I had him going to the Stanley cup final, but I think they'll 
they, I would pick them next series versus either the Islanders or the Bruins. And yeah, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Braden points being Braden point stamp coast is going off Kucherov. I mean, can't stop these guys. And that is Sam Coast almost, I think it was Sam Coast almost scored with 0.8 seconds left. And he just, just missed the buzzer last night. So that would have given him another goal. But from the start, I feel like Tampa was just the team to go for. I mean, player wise, they're much more talented than, than Carolina, in my opinion, they're stronger and faster. And their goaltending situation is obviously uh, much better considering I don't think there's an argument that Vasilevsky isn't the best goaltender in the world right now. So I think everyone's on the same page as that. So as long as he keeps playing the way he's playing and being the, the backbone of that team and really holding it down and having Braden Point playing the way he is, having Tyler Johnson skate with the puck, man, is so fun to watch because he's actually one of the quickest players I've ever seen play the game. And he goes in and out of every single player on the ice and He's always doing something to make a play, pass the puck, get it, just get the puck on the net and be able to get something going for his team. And that's exactly what they need going forward. And whoever makes it out of out of Islanders or Bruins, I think still think Tampa's winning, man. Defending Stanley Cup champs, and I've been saying it, I can't go against them, man. I, I just don't think either one of those teams are set up talent-wise to beat them at least – with the goaltending situation, because Bruins, Tyler, like you said, Bruins have the talent in order to beat them, but Tukaras is not healthy. He's, he's getting the go tonight. Obviously he's not going to sit for game six, but he's not a hundred percent while Vasilevsky is. And that, that could be the turning point of the series for him. Yeah. Tampa is just feels unbeatable. They do. And so does Colorado until last week. So, I mean, you never know changes every day. So we'll all just sound like it needs next week. We'll make fun of ourselves and we'll just go through this cycle. <laughs> When we go over for four next week. Exactly. Um, so game six, Islanders Bruins tonight. Game six, Colorado Vegas tomorrow, which is Thursday. I think game seven's Friday and Saturday if necessary. So big four days here in the NHL. Last thing we wanted to mention was the Norris Trophy. Adam Fox nominated alongside Victor Hedman and Cal McCarr. Feels like a pretty obvious uh, top three. Hedman's probably not going to win because he had a really rough end of the season. Um so And Cal McCarr was hurt. So Adam Fox really has the most well-rounded resume besides not being in the playoffs. Um, and of those three, I do think Fox is going to win it just because McCarr was hurt. Otherwise, I would give it to McCarr. I'm not totally sold on giving it to Fox. I'm sure you guys are, though. But um, yeah, he's probably going to win the Norris Trophy at 23 years old, which is pretty damn impressive. Every guy seems to have, like, one flaw. You know, Fox is that his team didn't make the playoffs – Guys just don't win the Norris if your team didn't make the playoffs. Hedman, yeah, he had a rough end of the season. And also, I mean, he's on an, a completely stacked team. And I think the Lightning actually technically did better with him off the ice mm-hmm. than when he was on the ice, which I don't know how you can give a guy a Norris if the team was better with him off the ice, but that's beyond the point. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. Cam McCarr missed like 15 games this year in a 56-game season. So he played, what, 40 games? So each guy, I mean – I think, yeah, an obvious top three, but it's going to be really interesting. I mean, something's got to give. Either you're going to give it to a guy who didn't make the playoffs, you're going to give it to a guy who missed a chunk of time, or you're going to give it to a guy who, you know, maybe his play was more byproduct of his teams than actually his. So it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, we know who I, me and Mike hope wins, but I I, I really don't know. Yes, 
if I Fox, but honestly, that might just be my Ranger bias peaking in. So I have no idea. I think it is going to be Fox. And I mean, that just goes from the play he had all season long. Yeah. He didn't make the playoffs, but I feel like we, we can't take that. Uh, can't take the no playoff situation away from the level he played at this season, which no one was really expecting him to, to play as well as he did. I mean, played all season long didn't really miss too many games if any at all comparing to what we were just talking about about them missing games McCarr missing games so I I think it's pretty clear that that Fox should be the winner here and I do think this was an obvious top three and I really don't know who who they could have exchanged out for for one of these three but I think it's an obvious that that Adam Fox should win this and it's kind of been getting talked about for about half a season now that that he should be a finalist and he finally is, and it, to, to do that at 23 years old it is spectacular because that's not something that you hear of often, and it's not something that you see in hockey, and it's it just really fun to see, especially him being a Ranger and knowing how hard he plays and how much he loves the game and like what he puts into the game in order to be as good as he is, and it's just awesome to see, and I fully expect to see Adam Fox as a Norris Trophy winner this year, not just a finalist, so. Yeah, I think I think that I would have put Dougie Hamilton in my top three over Hedman, or maybe Slavin. What are the two Carolina guys? Yeah, though I, I could I see think, if anybody, it could definitely be Dougie Hamilton or McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy. I see a lot of people naming him. I think Hedman's the guy. If you're going to take one out, it would be Hedman. I agree. I agree with that. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Tyler Mooney, Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll be back next Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll see. Um, with Stanley Cup semifinal preview slash review, wherever we are in that situation. And um, let's go Islanders. So we'll see you next week.